Stone Chats, Small Talks About Homeschooling, presented by Wildwood Curriculum, a Charlotte Mason education for all. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Stone Chats. Uh, this is our very first holiday episode. So we're excited to talk a little bit about what the holidays look like for us and some of the thoughts that Charlotte had on Christmas. I'm Jennifer Gaiman. I, uh, I'm homeschooling my last, lots of ums. <laughs> I'm homeschooling my last daughter. She's 14. We're doing grade nine. And I have four who I have graduated from homeschool. And I'm being joined today with Miriam and Marjorie. I'll let them introduce themselves. And I'm Marjorie Lang. I'm homeschooling my last one also. She's eight years old. The other ones are all grown and gone. And I'm Miriam Her. I have two that I'm homeschooling, a nine-year-old son and an eight-year-old daughter. And they're both in Form 1 here. So I stumbled upon an old American Psychological Association survey done in 2006, all about holiday stress. And I thought it was interesting that their overall theme in the paper that they wrote about the study was that most people find the holidays a joyful time of happiness. 78% of people said that they is a happy, joyful time that they like to participate in. But there was also a lot of stress around this. And I thought it was very interesting that the three things that the survey determined were the most stressful was the time commitment, the money, and the commercialism or hype around the holiday. And so I, I went looking for any thoughts that Charlotte had around the holidays. And she actually, in volume five, has a whole section entitled, A Happy Christmas to You. And I'm just going to read little bits of it because it's quite a long quote. But the Christmas holidays, boys and girls at school are counting off the days till the homecoming. Young men and maidens who have put away childish things do not reckon with date stones, but consult their Bradshaws, which I'm assuming is a, like a calendar. The little ones at home are storing up surprises. The father says genially, we shall soon have our young folk home again. And the mother, nobody but the youngest of schoolgirls, is so glad. She thinks of setting out for church on Christmas Day with, let us hope, the whole of her scattered flock about her. Already she pictures to herself how each is altered and growing and yet and yet how everyone is just as old. She knows how Lucy will return prettier, Willie more amusing, Harry kinder, how the elders will all rejoice. And yet there is a shade of anxiety in the mother's face as she plans for the holidays. The brunt of domestic difficulties falls necessarily upon her. It is not quite easy to arrange a household for a sudden incursion of new inmates whose stay is not measured by days. All must be considered. And she goes on to talk about some of the things that cause that anxiety for a mother and ways that um, mothers might try to lessen that anxiety. But pretty much her answer is, is that Christmas is a wonderful and beautiful time for us to communicate to our children the great love. And for her, that obviously has Christian connotations. But for those of us who are secular, it, it's still, it is a time, a season of love and family and uh, celebration. And so I, I wanted to talk with you today about what that means in our home and how we go about handling the necessary uh, anxiety that Charlotte talks about. And so I thought we would just start right off the bat. We talk a lot about rhythm and ritual when talking about Wildwood. And so I wanted to talk about how your rhythm and ritual changes in your home if it does. This quote that she shared in volume five is all about this influx of people coming in and there's no school anymore and uh, relatives and 
extra stuff happening. And so I don't know which one of you would like to lead us off about how your rhythm and ritual changes. Are you pointing at me, Miriam? I am. I just took my glasses <laughs> I'm off. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, let me start by saying I just looked up Bradshaw on dictionary.com. Oh, good. And it says it's a British railway timetable published annually from 1839 to 1961. So what was that sentence with the Bradshaw again? Uh, the young people were consulting their Bradshaws. So I guess they were maybe planning on places they would be going or right. people who would be coming to visit them. Ah, vacationing for the holidays, little trips that they could take for the holidays. So I learned years ago that no matter what our best intentions are, we hardly get any um, lessons, any schooling done between Thanksgiving and the first week or two of uh, January. So rather than stressing about it, I just generally schedule um, schedule our school to have a break during that time period. And instead of doing lessons, I try to do decorating the house and the baking of the holiday goodies making the Christmas presents. I always try. I have it in my mind. I'm going to start the Christmas presents in March or April. And here it is, December 4th, and I still haven't started this year's Christmas presents. <laughs> so um, this is the cool time of year for us. So in Phoenix, this is the time that we can really be outside for much of the day. It's, it's 66 high of 66 today, I think, and it's just beautiful, and we just don't want to be inside doing lessons, um, so that's that's how ours changes. I try to school more in the summer, and then this time of year, I just, I don't. Slow it down. I, I, we do, but I still need more of a routine, because if we just let it go to, like, complete vacation, then that gets everyone on edge, too, and nothing gets done. Miriam? I would say like Marjorie, we've found that school on its own kind of falls off during <laughs> during December. So we, we kind of let it, we break from it mostly, except I try to keep math and writing going because I found when I break from those, we have some resistance starting those again. But we let it fall into holiday things, like they'll enjoy the writing, writing cards and letters, and I'll just let it be all free writing that they have fun with. Um, our days get slower. A lot of the things that, a lot of commitments we have for the rest of the year fall away during the holidays. Uh, like their co-op, it stops for the holidays as everyone's traveling or doing things. So we'll be home more. We have slower mornings. Usually I try to get them at about nine o'clock, regular days, lessons started. But as it gets colder and we want to wake up later and drink tea more, we start a lot later. And instead of a lesson, we usually come together for a story. Right now we're reading The Hobbit. They are, I feel like that's a great cold weather, stay inside and snuggling story. So we've been doing that. Um, other than that, we try to maintain the rhythm that we have throughout the year, usually painting on Mondays, modeling on Tuesdays, crafting on Thursdays, baking on Wednesdays. It just becomes more of Dedicated to holidays, I would say. We're baking more cookies, a lot more sweets than we would eat 
at other times of the year. Yeah, I feel like that's it. Changes to match the weather. Like Marjorie, we also, we go outside more than we would in the middle of the summer. Not quite as much as we did in the fall and the spring, because that's when it's really beautiful here now. It has been a little bit chilly, and we've been snuggling inside. Yeah, we're not going outside at all. We don't have enough snow to go tobogganing, and the water's not frozen over, so it can be a little bit uh, dangerous. Uh, I know one year we went to cut our tree uh, down, and we ended up, my husband actually fell into a swamp, like it was field. And so, yeah, so we have a tendency to spend way more time at home in December. And then once January comes, it gets much colder, but it also, there's more to do outside. But we always kept the anchor points, right? Which we talk about a lot. Like our breakfast would stay the same. Our lunch would stay the same. Dinner might be more fluid depending on where we were going or what we were doing. But yeah, I didn't, I actually, I think probably my first or second year. So Hannah would have been six or seven. And then I would have had so if she was seven, I would have had a seven, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, a three-year-old. Um, and I would have been pregnant or had a baby a couple of years after that. I might have tried to have maintained school and just made everybody unhappy. And so I think like Marjorie, I very quickly, we just, we don't do any school. There's nothing planned. I have no expectations about getting anything done, even with my older kids. But like Miriam, I always tried to make... Um, so we would still have that time together around the table in the morning, but we would make cards or we might, um, I might package, uh, like Christmas. Um, I'm thinking like the, I would have the kids count, like we would make chocolate dip pretzels and then I would have them count. Everybody had to put 10 pretzels in a bag and then we put a ribbon on it. So it was school-like, but it didn't look like school <laughs> and it kind of made it easier and they were more excited and a nice, a nice break. Um, I love that you're reading a book. Miriam, because that is one of the one of the other quotes I have to share today is also from volume five. And she talks about how the evening reading should be entertaining and not of a kind to demand severe mental effort. But the long holidays are too long for intellectual dawdling. Every Christmas and summer vacation should be marked by the family reading of some great work of literary renown. But in the next paragraph, she says, yet be it confessed that in the matter of reading, this sort of spoon feeding is not the best thing, perhaps after all. Far better would it be that young people should seek out their own pastures, the parents doing no more than keeping a judicious eye on their roving. And so I find it interesting that here she's offering, yes, this could be a time that you read a book together, or maybe not. Maybe this is a time where you can really let them have their freedom and just supervise. And so I, I, I read it a couple of times because there's this yet be it confessed, maybe this shouldn't happen. And I was trying to figure out, so is she saying we should or we shouldn't? And I honestly think she's saying that you need to do what you think is best for your family and your kids right now, and that there might be nothing wrong in sharing this uh, spending your evenings reading a great work of literary renown, but it also could be a time where you want to let the kids run off and read on their own. And she goes on to talk about how a lot of young don't read nowadays. So if they're not reading on their own, then maybe you do want to have a family reading. Um, we've always read, we always read every year. Well, I, I didn't this year or last year, I think. It's not, no one's home as much, but we read A, a Christmas Carol by Dickens. I read it aloud the week before Christmas and we watch one of the versions of the week kibitz about what's wrong with it or right with it. And, uh, but I love that, that idea of just cuddling in and have our tea and our, yeah, watch the snow falling outside and read a book. It's one of my postcard moments I have during the season. <laughs> so I love how when she writes, sometimes it's as if she's working out her thoughts mm -hmm. as she's writing. 
And she doesn't edit that completely out to say, okay, this is the one right way that I'm going to tell everybody to do. She says, you know, I think this is a great way, but this other way could be great too. And so she's not, she doesn't take that and say, you know what? Nope. I'm going to go with the option B and say that this is, this is what everybody should do. She just leaves it open because she, well, we say it all the time, right? It's a method, not a system. Um, but I love that because we, we so often want absolutes. Just tell me which way is the best way. But then when we get that and it doesn't work for our particular family, we tend to throw out everything. Well, that didn't work for me, so none of it's going to work for me. I don't know. Maybe that's just the people that I hang around with tend to be very black and white. But I love how she brings that gray area into her work also. Yeah. Works, but but this could work the same way, you know, like you said, it just depends on, on what's right for your family that year. Well, and she ends that whole section by saying, and put them in the way of finding their proper intellectual nourishment, because that was always her goal, right? Her all, her goal was always to provide this intellectual feast for the children. But of course that feast is going to look different. It's going to look different on different days. It's going to look different on different weeks. It's going to look different in my home. Now I'm trying to do math with my 14 year old because we are behind you can listen to our head and behind episode if I just air quoted the words behind Um, I have some work that I'd like for her to continue doing and so we're doing math but my others are now um, university just ended yesterday and so I have three of them who are home full-time now Um, some of them are doing part-time work but and she wants to talk with them she hasn't seen much of them and so I'm telling her she needs to sit down and do math but it's you know, today is not the day to do it when she hasn't seen her older for almost two weeks. So it, it's the fluidity of, I love, I just, I love, I love reading her. I mean, we talk about it all the time. She seems to willy nilly um, take books out and put books in with no rhyme or reason. But I think her rhyme or reason is what she's seeing, how it feeds proper intellectual nerves, the community. Right. I also wanted to add that in the PNEE programs, the Parents National Education Union programs, these were the programs that were sent out to her, um, to the people, the homeschools that were enrolled in her correspondence program, for lack of a better term there. But she always had, um, she had holiday and evening reading also, especially in the older grades. And holiday, that's what she's talking about right here, right? The summer holidays and the Christmas holidays. Yeah. And probably, you know, various other holidays also. These were not meant to be to be assigned on top of everything else during the school term. These were when you're not doing school because you're taking a school vacation. These are great things that you could read as a family or you could read alone as literary quality. And that's one thing I wanted to point out there too. She actually talks about, I don't know if I did the quote... Um, she mentioned somewhere about, oh, um, this point is worth considering in connection with Christmas books for little people. Books of comicalities cultivate no power, but the sense of the incongruous. And though life is the more amusing for the possession of such a sense, when cultivated to excess, it is apt to show itself a flippant habit. And so she goes on talking about if you're going to buy these little Christmas books, which I'm assuming she means are kind of more on the twaddly edge of things. Um, those are fun, but 
a steady diet of those is not good. And so once again, there's just that sense of bringing in some frivolity is perfectly okay, but nobody wants to live off chocolate cake, you know, 24 seven for all of our meals. So it's balance. It's always about balance. And Charlotte really seems to understand. Okay. So I wanted to ask specifically um, rituals because Marjorie shared a wonderful meme on the Wildwood page. The picture said, I don't remember what I got for Christmas when I was six or 10. I do remember the smell of the kitchen on Christmas morning. I remember counting the marshmallows my dad put in my hot chocolate. I remember waking up giving my parents a hug and feeling magic before a gift was even opened. Remember, it is the memories that make the magic. And so I wanted to know if you would share one or two of your favorite ritual traditions in your home. So this is something that, that I think is important for a lot of people, especially when they, in our Facebook groups, we have people who have left Christianity or left their religion that they grew up in for whatever reason. And now they're really struggling with, these holidays that when they were growing up were very religious to them. And how do they celebrate now as non-religious people? Um, we see, we saw it with Thanksgiving. We see it with Christmas. So first off, I would say that just like we're talking about right here, it's the memories that you make with your kids that this is how they will view the holidays as they are adults. If you don't imbue them with religious significance, they will not think of them as religious holidays. For me, um, from growing up, Thanksgiving had nothing to do with religion. The For my children, Thanksgiving had pretty much nothing to do with the pilgrims from the 1600s. That's not something that we ever even talked about. I mean, maybe we read the story when they were teenagers or such, but Thanksgiving was always just a time where we got together as a family and we were thankful to be together as a family and we were thankful for what we have and this kicks off the rest of the holiday season. There was, so we, we never dealt with the real story about the first Thanksgiving, which Thanksgiving as a holiday wasn't even nationalized until, um, I believe Abraham Lincoln, much, much longer after the Pilgrims. So all of that, that original colonialist attitude or story was added on to the holiday. It's a really convoluted thing once you get into it, but we just never even brought that in because it made no difference to us as a family. So the same thing with Christmas is if you don't if you don't focus on religious aspects of this season, then your children will not grow up with those religious aspects associated with the season for them. So not being Christian, I don't even talk about Jesus and the manger and the whole Christmas story like that. Um, when my younger daughter, she's eight right now, when she's older, I'm sure we'll go over the story as just part of cultural knowledge, but it's not something that that's important to us for our celebration of the season. So we have our Christmas tree and we get together as a family. My mom and my sister live together in Texas and they will either fly out here or 
um, on alternate years, they'll either come to our house or we will go to their house. So Christmas is a time where we're off of school and we have a Christmas tree and we do presents and we do feasting and we make cookies and it's nice and cool and we can be outside for most of the day and it rains. We get the winter rains and we get together as a family. That's what Christmas is to us. So we don't bring all of that, um, the religious symbolism into it. We have, and I'm kind of going off of the rituals that we have because I think that the stuff is important too, how we, we bring in maybe the things that we've changed a little bit. I don't have any Christian ornaments on my Christmas tree. We used to have an angel at the top of the tree, but here's something that's really interesting that I found. I never told my daughter, my younger one, that this was an angel. Ever since she was a baby, we've always referred to the little flying things with wings as fairies. So we had the Christmas fairy on top of the tree, and when we were we were snowed in for Thanksgiving up at our cabin in the mountains, and she went back in the snow and flapped her arms to make what I would call a snow angel, but she called a snow fairy, and I never corrected her, of course. She has a little stuffed animal, um, little stuffed rabbit with um, the wings on it and a white dress, and my mother thinks of it as an angel rabbit, and my daughter says this is our fairy rabbit. I mean, it's just, right, because she's never had that religious connotation of a little being with wings is an angel. It's always been a fairy. So um, we used to have the Christmas fairy, the, the fairy on top of the tree, but she burned out. And now I have, um, I got it off eBay, and it looks like a Father Christmas kind of figure. So um, we've taken that tree topper religious connotation off also. Um, let's see. One thing that we did several years ago, you can find this on Fly Lady, Fly Lady's, flylady.net, her website. She has a holiday control journal. And in that holiday control journal, you ask everybody in your family who's going to be attending what what things are special to the season for them. Um, and we did this, yeah, it's been about 20 years now. And it was so interesting to see what was important to each of us. And the things that I thought would be important to other people weren't, vice versa. There are things that nobody, none of us cared about at all. We just completely got rid of them because, you know, why waste time doing it? None of us, it didn't matter to any of us. And so that way we kept the things that were important. So things like um, my daughter makes and decorates Christmas cookies with my mom. but I don't like sugar cookies, so I just don't do it anymore. We, <laughs> we bake cookies, but we don't bake and decorate sugar cookies. Um, we make candy. We decorate the tree. We play Christmas music, um, secular Christmas music, not religious again. Um, we, we make hot chocolate and hot apple cider, and we snuggle up in... Um, blankets on the couch in long sleeve 
white shirts. That's for me. I've got these long sleeve white, like a like a Christmas sweater, right? Except we're in Phoenix, so sweaters are too hot usually. So <laughs> it's just <laughs> red and a white shirt. Um, but those are that's what we do. And then um, my husband, we hardly ever even decorate our house with lights because my husband doesn't like to go to the fuss of it. We have tile roofs here and stucco houses, and it's really hard to attach the lights to the house. So, um, so we don't. That's the thing that I miss. I wish we had lights on our house, but I'm not about to do it either because our our roof is like ten feet up, and I don't. <laughs> some things you just need help for, right? So we just we drive around and we look at other people's pretty lights. <laughs> Those, that's our Christmas traditions. What about you? I feel like I just hogged that whole time. <laughs> I think, I, I think, I think what you said is important though. Is, and well, you tell us, Miriam, you tell us yours. Okay. No, no, I agree. That was, I love hearing how everyone celebrates. So we, and this is going to sound funny because we are an atheist family, but we celebrate St. Nicholas Day. So on the 5th, which is tomorrow, we get out all of our Christmas stuff and we decorate the house and the kids leave their boots out tomorrow night. So on Friday morning on the 6th, um, he'll come and fill up their boots with little small things. And it's usually something little, like my son will get an action figure and my daughter will get a CD. And uh, some years we have the little kindness elves or gnomes come and visit for the month and they'll when the kids wake up, they'll be in a funny spot only maybe a few times a month because I'm, I'm pretty lazy. But <laughs> they'll have an idea, like bake this certain kind of cookies or go help someone with something, and they like that. But that's in their boots. Um, and we've done that since they were little, about two and three, when we first found water, and I fell in love with the festivals. Even as a secular family, we just love that idea of, coming together and having this day and this week of this focused passion on, I feel like celebrating human. You know, we come up with these beautiful ideas and gatherings and reasons to get together and have fun. I feel like even though we're secular, that human aspect is always there and that's what we, we celebrate. So we do St. Nicholas Day. We also do Advent. We light a candle each day. Nothing really just behind that for us. Just, just the beauty and simplicity. I think there's something so magical about lighting a candle when it's dark out. I've always loved it as a kid, and they love it, lighting it and then blowing it out when it's done. And sometimes we have to relight it so they can each have a turn blowing them out. Right. So, <laughs> do you use it as a Christmas countdown? Then we we've tried it different ways. We've had a countdown to the solstice. And we've had a countdown to Christmas. They they like Christmas better because that's more candles and it lasts longer. <laughs> um, so we made two years ago. We made a, a salt dough advent ring, and it has twenty five or yeah, it has twenty five because they light it on Christmas morning. They're so excited. Um, yeah, they love that. And we listen to we love sparkle stories, and they have a couple of audio advent calendars so we'll listen to a story each day usually martin and sylvia and the junkyard tales if you've heard of that they love those it's a sweet little story leading up each day 
Um, and then on Christmas Eve, we'll open one gift. That was always a tradition growing up I had. And they open up, and it's usually pajamas or fuzzy socks and a board game, something that we can do together that night, Christmas Eve. And then they leave out their cookies and carrots for, for Santa as a thank you for filling up their boots on the on the 5th. And then that day, it's we have family that celebrate it religiously. And if we visit them, um, they'll usually they'll bring those stories to the kids, which I love too. We told all kinds of stories from different about Jesus. Um, and for them, because we're not religious, they're all beautiful stories. So we, we tell we try to tell that variety. And then the day itself for us is just just a family day, a special breakfast, and then we open up gifts. Enjoy enjoy the day together. And that's how we celebrate religious. Um, I suppose they're they're more cultural. For a lot of times, depending on where you're coming from, it could be more culture. So I suppose we celebrate more culturally as atheists and humanists than spiritually, well, religiously, because I feel like we're still spiritual about it. There's the intention and love and sincerity there. But that's how we celebrate. So I'm coming from, um, we left religious life. And so my children had grown up with all of the religious aspects of the season. And so then I needed to deconstruct some of that. And I think that the thing that helped the most is looking at each one of what are often cultural aspects of the holidays, as well as religious aspects and determining if they held meaning in my family. And I love, um, I follow the, the Christmas control book from organizedhome.com, Marjorie. And it also has one of the first things you're supposed to do is sit down and do a values worksheet. And so every year I used to actually sit down and write it down. Now I just touch base with them because a lot of the same ideas come out year after year. But when we, when we were first trying to figure out what the season would look like for us as a secular family, it was important to me to have my children tell me what it was that they remember as being the important parts, right? And to ask them, my oldest was 13 at the time, to ask them what parts would make Christmas Christmas for them or the holidays and what parts would they really miss and then to let those parts and figure out. So we have a tree. Now that's really important for me, not so much for some of the Christian aspects that are tied into it, but it gets really cold here and it is dark. Like I'm sitting in my bedroom right now and I've had to turn a bunch of lights on because uh, the sun is going down. It, it'll be, it'll be gone in 45 minutes. Here. So it is 3:30 where I am. So by 20 after four, but the the shortest day of the year is coming. And so for us, December has been about bringing in that piece of greenery. And we for many years, we went actually out into the bush and cut a tree and brought it home and set it up. And the idea of having, we have a tree fairy now on the top of our tree. We have a dryad that is made out of corn husks, sits on a tree. And, and we do decorate with lots of greenery because it is brown and white outside my window right now. And so we have poinsettias and we hang ivy along the tops of the windows. And I put out a bunch of greenery uh, of things we've made or b because I want for the house not to look so so barren, so harsh, so the heart of winter, you know? So that's one of the things that we kept was the decorating and food is a big deal in our house. So we still make cookies, but the cookies have, you know, changed shape. Um, I have a health condition now that requires me to change the way we're eating. And so this 
Christmas, there was a sit down discussion with my kids about what's that going to look like, because there are now lots of the treats that are part of Christmas that I can no longer partake in. And how do we navigate? Because I don't want my house to be full of a bunch of stuff I love and can't eat. Um, but I also want to be able to bless them with the things that are important to them. So that was what our conversation was a lot. We always play, we always buy and play a family game on Christmas. Day. Games are expensive. And so that's what's under the tree. Um, there's lots of little things that we, like the Christmas dinner has to have the sweet potato bake with the marshmallows on top. Like for my kids, that's for whatever reason, we, we do have those of us who eat meat, we have a turkey and then I have vegan stuffing and vegan potatoes and the peas and, but the sweet potato bake is the one thing they're like, yeah, we, we could forego everything else. We could have pizza but it needs to have the sweet potato bake. And so it's about finding meaning yourself. And for, for those of our listeners who have had to deconstruct the way I did, um, it can feel overwhelming, but I can tell you it's now almost 10 years that I've been doing that deconstructing and reconstructing. And it's been a lot of fun. And we made it a part of our schooling, actually. We looked at a lot of the, the rituals that surround the holiday and tried to track back where they came from and that spurred some of um so we do stockings in my house um that's mostly we're a non-consumerist family so we don't do a lot of gifts but we do stockings because my children were so tickled pink with the history of santa claus and saint nicholas and and that whole story around you know putting money in ladies stockings hanging out to dry and so that has been a journey that i also enjoyed was going to the library and getting those books. And now there's the whole world of the internet that lets you to discover those. So I think the most important part is to make your own meaning and then to find the rituals that maybe you had as a child or you see other people have that you want. I'm trying to think some of the other things we do. We decorate, we have an advent calendar. My advent calendar is often full of things um, that we can do as a family or who's ever home. So, you know, one of the things will be go look at the lights and I don't do one every day because that's, too overwhelming for me so I do about two or three a week so our advent calendar in between just chocolates do you make them yourself um yeah so I'm one year probably the year I was deconstructing Christmas um although I might have been doing an advent calendar before I can't remember I made a bunch of little boxes so I have 25 little boxes um, that sit in a basket in the corner of the, that I made out of old Christmas cards. So the kids help me. This is not right. a Christmas card, but you make the top out of the, this part of the card and the bottom out of this part. And then they, so the kids helped me make it. It was, um, it was like a, a slide activity, paper slide. And we made these boxes and I don't actually think I, I think it took me a couple of years to get all 25. So I may have just used envelopes in the interview, but with a piece of paper inside saying that you know we're gonna have hot chocolate tonight or we watch a lot of films a lot of um christmas films there's a lot of really secular and i've also used the religious ones to teach cultural so my kids are culturally literate but so that's often one of them will have hot chocolate or we'll go if the weather's conducive we'll try to go tobogganing that's something we always do do on boxing day um here in canada december 20th is called boxing day and it's also a day off and we'll go usually sledding on that but yeah, and then I would just put whatever it is. So if it was just chocolate, the chocolates might just sit on the, the counter. And then when they opened up the box or the envelopes, it would say chocolates today. And I often filled it the day before. Okay, so on to our next question. All of these rituals. You know, I wanted to ask right at before we went in there, though. Um, I have a book called The Return of the Light, 12 Tales Around the World for the Winter Solstice. 
by Carolyn McVicker Edwards, E-W-E-D-W-A-R-D-S. And um, I had always had grand plans of reading one a night, you know, for the 12 days of Christmas. That never, ever happened. But over the years, we've read um, most of them. And they are, they're tales from, yeah, they're tales from all over. So if you're looking for Christmas stories to read, um, there's one from, let's see, you've got Why Hummingbird Has a Red Throat from the North California Coast, The Golden Earring from India, Raven Steals the Light, which is an Inuit story from North America, The Sun Cow and the Thief from India, Awesome. Um, how, how Maui Snared the Sun, Polynesia, How the Cock Got His Crown from China, Loki and the Death of Light, which is a Norse tale, The Pull Together Morning from Tanzania, and then um, the last ones are ones from the Kalahari Desert, another one's from Uganda, one's from Venezuela, and the last one is from Italy. So if you're looking for holiday stories that you can, um, or holiday-ish, right? Yeah. Return of the light, solstice stuff that you can read with your kids. They might be a little bit over the heads of preschoolers, but if your kids are school age or teenagers or adults, that's perfectly appropriate for them. I remember two more things that I did as part of our deconstruction process. Um, one was that we studied all of the world holidays that happen at this time of year and so not just to be culturally literate about the Christian part of the season, but what, what does Hanukkah look like? Uh, what is Kwanzaa, uh, Diwali, um, all of those. And we studied those and we tried to go and uh, see if there were communities uh, of those, those spiritual communities that would allow us to come and attend some of their events or to be a part of that. And uh, we actually had a lot of fun. And what I see now is my children will meet people. And so we, one year we celebrated Hanukkah. We still have the candles and we still, we always play with dreidel as part of our Christmas celebration. But um, I, I love it when my children encounter people and they'll say something and my kids will say, oh yeah, I love this part of that holiday. And uh, the, the people will, you're not Jewish. My kids will say, well, no, but we studied it and, and we love the gold coins and the dreidel, dreidel song. And, and it actually blesses people. It blesses people that they, it makes a lot of people feel special that somebody outside their community took the time to try and understand a special part of in their community. So we have a bunch of those kind of odd things that you would find as part of my celebration that I may have actually forgotten that they're part of an, another cultural identity, but we, we enjoyed them and rolled them in. And I hope that's not somehow poor cultural appropriation. And if it is, then drop me a comment and I'll reevaluate <laughs> um, what we're doing or how I'm sharing it. Uh, so if stress and time is the number one thing, the last thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is how do we ease the stress around the holidays in our life? And this could be a two-hour podcast on its own. Um, but I wanted to just lead with a quote that I had in volume six from Charlotte Mason. 
and it says we may we certainly may use atmosphere as an instrument of education, but there are prohibitions for ourselves rather than for our children. Perhaps the chief of these is that no artificial element be introduced, no sprinkling with rose water or softening with cushions. Children must face life as it is. If their parents are anxious and perturbed, children will feel it in the air. Mummy, mummy, you aren't going to cry this time, are you? And a child's hug tries to take away our trouble. But by these things, children live, and we may not keep them in glass cases. If we do, they develop in succulence and softness and will not become plants of renown. But due relations must be maintained. The parents are in authority, the children in obedience. And again, the strong may not lay their burdens on the weak. Nor must we expect from children that effort of decision, the most fatiguing in our lives, of which the young should generally be re so I love this idea that it's still our job to protect our children from some of the stress that happens. And of course, you know, times when we have to be with family, if we if we have family that's not strong or, or worse yet, we have family that's troublesome. Our, our children are going to see that they're going to know that we're stressed by it. You know, and they're they're just little was it Geiger meters, you know, they just know when things are off. And so we need to not try to, she says, sprinkle rose water or soften with cushions. But at the same time, it is our job to help our children. And it is fatiguing at this time of year. And it's our job to help them with their fatigue because they're not ready to deal with that on their own. So what ways do you manage the stress of the holidays? Or do you? <laughs> I would say, um, going off of what you're saying, is that we also need to be careful about how much we spend, right, before these family, before these holidays. Um, if you're getting into group gatherings, we, we do need to protect them, but we can protect them by, by either keeping them out of situations or by not telling them. You don't have to tell your nine-year-old that Uncle, now remember Uncle Joe always gets drunk. You know, you don't have to say things like this, right? Because this is not the things that he should, that our children should have on their shoulders. They shouldn't have to carry these sorts of burdens. When they're adults, they will often look back and say, how did I not realize that? How did I not know that? But it's because we don't need to we don't need to open their eyes too soon, right? There's some things that kids just don't need to know as kids or they don't need to realize as kids. So um, that's one way I think that I protect my kids from the stress. I don't, even if I don't tell them family baggage, you know, I, we try to make the holidays pleasant. Um, and though my if we were to go back to visit my dad, while my older daughter, who is 23, knows that I haven't had a relationship with him, I haven't seen since I was 12, and, and thus have um, very little relationship with him, um, he came back into my life about a year ago, and I still have not seen him since then but if we were to go back and see him he started sending Christmas presents and birthday presents and such um I wouldn't tell my little one that kind of history right digging up that stuff she would just see she would just know oh we're gonna go see grandpa so I wouldn't tell those family history stories that should be kept behind closed doors I'm not gonna air my dirty laundry 
in front of the littles that can wait till they're older. And I do remember when I was an adult, then my mother would tell me things and she'd say, Oh yeah, well, didn't you know that? And uncle, I actually have an uncle Joe. He's not an alcoholic, but she'd say, Oh, didn't you know that uncle Joe and aunt Sue had this, this, this problem? And I'd be like, what? No, what? I didn't, why would I know this? I was 12. Why would you tell me that? And of course, she didn't tell me that. But, you know, being in her 70s now, she just assumes that I always knew this. Anyways, I guess that's a little bit off topic. But um, so protecting our kids from these burdens. But um, what was the question? (laughs) Well, no, because I, I, it's how you handle stress for the season. And I do think that that's on topic because for those of us, especially for those of us who have families that maybe don't share the same values or are upset that values, you know, in my case, values have changed, then there needs to be like my, my kids needed to have some sense of what might come at them and how they might deal with it. But at the same time, yeah, I want to, I grew up, um, I had a, a relative that we used to go and spend Christmas with and I never really felt comfortable there and they were distant cousins and they were, they were, um, they were just different and their house was different and, but that's where we spent every Christmas Eve. And it wasn't until I was a growing up that, um, I found out that the matriarch of that family was a drug user who hadn't left her bed in years and there were, you know, teenage pregnancies and there was addiction and some of the, the, the kids and all that was going on. <laughs> um, but I didn't know that. And, and I, I, yeah, for some reason, my parents, you know, they, they did their duty. They, they, they tried to maintain connection. And what's funny is, is I still have a connection with um, it's distant and it's mostly through Facebook, but I still have a connection with um, those relatives because we had that yearly connection. And because I was somewhat sheltered from the, you know, the, the, the difficulties that were happening. I, I didn't bring a child's, it didn't, it wasn't alarming. It wasn't alarming to me. Um, I mean, you know, I had some sense that something was very different from my own, but yeah. So I think that sometimes there is value in trying to protect them from some of the, the really stressful stuff that can happen. Around. Yeah. So our own stress, um, I reduced my expectations for myself. I don't try to recreate what my mother did. Um, for one thing, she wasn't homeschooling. So, she, and she was a stay at home mom and she wasn't homeschooling. So she had all day. And, and I don't want to say that because I know, you know, we clean and we're doing all of these other things, but she didn't have kids at home during the day because we were in school. So she had free time during the day without children under feet to do these big decorations and to make tons of candy and um she wasn't exhausted at the end of the day when we came home or on the weekends to do the cookies and so we did a lot of these things but I still don't I don't recall growing my growing up years Christmases is feeling stressful and I think it's because we didn't we didn't overload ourselves with things like parties right so I grew up in the Catholic church and we would go on we would go caroling and we'd go on a hayride and that's what, that, that was it. I mean, that was our Christmas festivities with the church other than going to, um, Christmas mass. But, um, we didn't have office parties on Friday night and co-op party on Saturday and uh, this party on Sunday. We didn't have all of that. And I don't do that either. Um, we go to the required work Christmas parties and, 
I, I even hate it when we do those. And my husband is always wanting to get together with all of our friends and, well, let's do this on Friday and let's do this the next week. And, and I'll just tell him I can't, you know, I, I just mentally and physically, I cannot go out every week and socialize <laughs> the way you want me to with all of these people. So, um, I try to do that. I try to cut way back on our outings, um, our Christmas outings or our Christmas parties that we're expected to go to. Like Miriam was saying, our homeschool commitments go way down with our groups. We're not part of a co-op, but we do, um, we go to what's called homeschool happenings, which our local regional park has a, a ranger and the ranger puts on a program every other twice a month on the first and third Thursday and Fridays of the month and their nature programs. And her name is called Ranger Amanda. And her name is Ranger Amanda. And um, we only have one in December and then, and that's going to be this week. So we won't have the one later on. So that frees up some time. Yeah, I guess that's what, that's what I do is I try not to overcommit. I still try to keep the commitment low so that we're still around the house most of the time. And I don't expect that I will recreate. You know what? I try to make good holidays for my kids, right? But just like we talked about, I do what's important to us. I don't try to recreate everything that my mom did plus add on more. Because even my mom couldn't do everything that she did plus add on the extra stuff. So when I add things that are important for us, I necessarily take out things that my mother did. So I think that's really important is if you add something, you need to take something out. Otherwise it's just keeps piling on and then you get completely stressed. And I think you have to say no. Yeah. We're, I feel like our biggest stress is how fast things can become during the holidays. So we try really hard to keep it slow the first, I want to say six years of our kids' lives, we would travel between Chicago and Pittsburgh visiting family instead of staying home. And I think since a few years ago, we made the commitment to just stay home for the holidays, for Christmas every year. That's, that's made things so much simpler and calmer and more relaxing for us. As much as we love seeing family, that, that helps us to keep it simple. And I think we, the things that we do to celebrate the season, we try to keep those simple. Like we have an, an advent calendar. It's a printable one from Hearth Magic. And it's instead of any kind of task behind it or something linked to each day, because I'm, I'm terrible about sticking to those, um, it just has a, a pretty image or an animal behind it. But it still has that, that ritual of opening a little window each day that they love. And we do that. Their favorite one is one that leads up to the winter solstice. And then on the solstice, we'll make window stars and have hot chocolate. We just, I feel like we fill the days with things that are manageable and simple, things that they love but aren't too stressful. And I feel like we really, <laughs> my husband would argue this is all year long, but definitely during the holidays, I practice scruffy hospitality. Our house is never picture ready for guests. It just is what it is. And I've come to terms with that. That's okay. And that's normal, especially when you're home and you have kids home all day long. It's, it's going to look lived in. 
So, and most of my friends are home also. They understand. So when they come over, I have no no worries. Well, I try to clean the bathrooms, you know, in the kitchen, but <laughs> otherwise they, they can just walk in and they'll see that our, our calendar is probably two months behind. There's clothes and toys, but, um, but that's okay. I've, I've really let that go the last few years. And in response to, we had wonderful friends who lived that way and they were the most warm and wonderful people. And just any day their door was open. And I really felt that that magic from them. So we try to we try to maintain that. And I feel like that that helps a lot with the stress, letting that go. Um yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Just trying to keep things simple. Things that you love, but simple. Very low expectations. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> uh uh that has certainly been my case. Um my mom often the holidays were very stressful and had a lot of my mother yelling at my sister and I. I had to be, she had these ideas in her head about what it was supposed to look like. She's really good at delegating. I have a friend that says we always parent from our, and I I do think that's true. I I needed for the holidays to be enjoyable. And so I've worked really hard to simplify things down to not, not have it be perfect, whatever your idea of perfect, not have it be somebody else's idea of perfect. So I'm the only one that hosts Christmas dinner for both sides of my family. And uh, we can't have both sides here together. So I, and it has to be held on Christmas day. So I host a dinner for 15 on Christmas day. And then I host a dinner for uh, 12 on boxing day and it rotates which family is which day. And it needs to be a turkey dinner with stuffing. It's the traditional thing. Cause the one year I tried to think outside the box, there's so much like people, my family didn't talk to me for months. <laughs> it was so stressful for them, but I have really like, there are other ways that I have dug my heels in and said, like, we don't, um, we don't do gifts. We do a, we do a draw. Everybody draws one name and then there are no other gifts. One year, my mother tried to sneak gifts. I was like, we're not doing if this way, this is going to, uh, I have five children. We homeschool. My house is bursting at seams. We do not need any more stuff. Uh, we maintain a Christmas list and everyone writes on their list what they want and no gifts are bought that aren't on that list because I, I got to the point where, you know, if my mom buys something and she thinks, Oh, well, that's not really what she wants. Then I'm going to get this other thing. Then I have to take my kids out and go return it or try and exchange it. Or one of my kids gets a gift and really wants. So there are other ways that I really set boundaries for my family and what works for us. And then really try to uh, communicate those clearly and compassionate to my family. But I think like Miriam, it's about doing less and it's not about expecting that what I do, my, if the presents get wrapped and all I've wrapped them in is magazine paper or construction paper, because I didn't get my act together enough to, um, I'm also a huge environmentalist, so I don't want to go out and buy Christmas paper because it's not environmentally friendly. And if I haven't got my act together to make some prettier alternative, then it's wrapped in construction paper and (laughs) my kids colored on it. And so my Christmas tree is not picture worthy underneath is not picture worthy at all. Um, We only do one gift, like my immediate family, we draw a name. So there are only seven gifts bought in my home and given in my home. And that um, I know it's very countercultural for a lot of people, but my kids, you know, it's always something they really want. And it's, it just, it works for us. It works for us. And I don't talk about it a lot because other people are really stressed by that idea. Um, 
but I, it's also sometimes withstanding, right? Like if, if, if your very best friend is out, you know, every night of the week partying and doing stuff and she's a huge Christmas person and she's cooking and, and maybe that really works for her, but sometimes I need to withstand the pressure that somehow I'm doing this wrong because I'm not doing this that way, right? I'm doing the way that makes me feel good. And that was the best piece of advice I ever got from someone like you, Miriam, who just had an open door policy and their house was however you found it is how you found it. But you were always welcome there. They were lovely other couple. And she told me that you should ditch anything that is unnecessary and makes you weak. And so every time I cry over something at the holidays, I would ask myself, is this an unnecessary thing that's making me cry? And can I? And so over the years, I've really pared down I mean, I cried over the Christmas dinners too, but we talked a lot with my family about how that could look different and, and came to, I know it sounds like a lot of work, but it's not. I actually have a little timeline. My husband does it. It's a whole family affair to get this dinner on. And my family comes together to do this wild and crazy thing and get it over with. And it actually became something we all worked together to do. I have another piece of advice that someone gave to me about self-care. And what they said is, if you were, if you, one of your children was doing what you're doing right now, you would take them aside and you would give them a hug and you would say, like, no, this is not right. This is not good. This is not healthy for you. So why do you let yourself participate in this without taking yourself aside and saying, this isn't good. This isn't healthy. Break from this. Because we don't think of ourselves as being as worthy as our children. Mm-hmm. But what a better gift to give our kids, to care for ourselves, to let our children see us caring for ourselves in the manner that we care for them, which I think is what Charlotte's talking about when she's saying, don't, don't cover, don't cover it with rose water or, you know, pat it with cushions. It's about living life as it is being honest. So, so on that timeline thing that you have for your cooking, I've had a timeline too, since 2000. My, the one that, the earliest one I kept was 2004. That's when I stopped reprinting every year. I think that's, (laughs) mine would be maybe 2006. Maybe I'd have to go look it up. So, um, this has worked wonderfully for me every year, except one year I had my mom over. We had moved up to Wisconsin and my mom came over. My, and my sister came over early. Um, I don't know. I don't know why they hadn't done it before if I don't know if they hadn't been over when I was doing my timeline before or if there just was never an issue before. But this one year, oh, my goodness. Um, I had a timeline of when to put the turkey in the oven, right, based on how many pounds and, you know, everything. It was all wonderful. And I got up in the morning and it was like, Eight o'clock in the morning, my daughter, my daughter was like a, a year old, maybe two years old. I think I, I think my mom met, let me sleep in that year as a thank you to me, right? As a favor to me. And I got up and she said, well, I didn't think the turkey was thought enough. So I put it in the microwave and then, um, we went ahead and put it in the oven. This was like eight o'clock in the morning. We were not, I was not scheduled to have dinner until four. So that turkey was done at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I was so upset. I went, I, I cried. I went in my bedroom and I cried. 
and everything on the timeline was destroyed, of course. You know, she had said at like nine, oh, well, don't we need to be doing this and this and this? And I said, mom, I've got my timeline. I've been doing this for several years like this. I think at that time it was like seven or eight years at the time. I've been doing it. I've never had an issue. I Everything goes perfectly smoothly. I don't feel rushed. I get everything done. And then the turkey was done at 10 and everything was thrown off. And then my mother was standing over there saying, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So a couple of days later, got it on the table. It was, of course, the turkey was cold by the time everything else was done. I was completely stressed. <laughs> and a few days later, she called me and she said, I talked to my neighbor. And my neighbor agreed with me that we would have just gotten everything done first thing in the morning. And then you wouldn't have had a, a problem getting everything on the table. It's like, oh my gosh, mom, you know what? I love you, but don't ever, <laughs> ever put my turkey in the microwave again. again. Let me handle it, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, and then adding that you talk to your neighbor about it? Nah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to be on a fly on a wall when my mother's complaining about some of my Christmas holiday boundaries. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be interesting oh, to see the other side of it. <laughs> no, I got to say, though, since then, nobody has messed with my timeline for cooking. Yeah. <laughs> nobody tries to do other things. Oh. Nobody messes with mine. It's just down to, like, everyone knows. I, I, I printed out, I think I have it in a permanent, I have it in a duotang now, and it's got all the recipes in so that. Yes. Yes. That's what I have. If something happens, so. so Mm. If something happened to me, somebody else can get this done. So speaking about, you know, non-stressing, we've got the timeline, right? And my daughter called me. She's living with her boyfriend right now. And apparently her boyfriend and his dad only do turkey and mashed potatoes for their holiday dinners. And she said, no, 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 no. You can't just do that. And so she called me and asked me to, to scan um, and send her the copy of our holiday binder. So what I have is I have a three ring binder with dividers inside for every holiday. And we, I have the menu, what I do traditionally for every year. I have the grocery list all made up that I can just go to the store with my list in hand and get everything I need. I've got all of the recipes photocopied and put in there. So everything is there. And then um, for... I've got like the decorations that we're going to do um, that we typically do year to year, our holiday traditions. And this is not just Christmas. This is also the Easter time, springtime, solstice, whatever you want, or equinox, whatever you want to call it. We've got Halloween. I've got Thanksgiving. I've got all of this. In, um, and that helps me not have to um, reinvent the wheel every year. That's been, that's a huge stressor. Saves stress, stress non-stressors stress reliever that's a huge stress reliever every year yeah and i like it because i can point out so wait i have a number of items like just for the the christmas one um that have to be pre-done in the week before or two weeks before i you know have notes and so then if someone's feeling like is there something i can do for christmas i could say yeah you can make the cranberry sauce you know it's in the christmas do a tang just find the recipe and follow the instructions and yeah so every year i i have kept so i have probably i think my first package of christmas notes goes back to 2002 and then every year I could look back and see, I would try to make notes about what worked and. Yes. Um, what worked what and what didn't. 
I did that too. Yeah. And yeah, so now so. I know which crock pot burns the dressing, the stuffing when you leave it in there all too long. Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm in a season where things are changing. So I'm needing to make more notes because, um, you know, I have, well, it was two. It's now just one of my children because we had a breakup here, but um, who spend Christmas with uh, their partner's families. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm making notes to myself about what that looks like and, and trying to change my expectations. So I don't have my whole family home always for the, the big moments, right? Like, you know, we're so used to having everyone home for Christmas dinner, but now I have children who are going to uh, have other places that they may want to spend those holidays. What does that look like? And so I find myself once again, even though there'd been a while where I wasn't really writing too much. Now I write more about who was where, when last year and what that looked like and how it worked. And, if, you know, we can do next year that might make a difference. So, right. yeah, there you go. You guys are incredible. <laughs> I think we're you both know, dedicated to trying to make it simple and enjoyable. That came about for me because I realized that for two or three years in a row, I was making the same mistakes. And I just thought one year, you know what, I'm going to write down what worked and what didn't work right when the, you know, the day of or the, the day after it happened. So it's all fresh in my mind. And then next year, it'll be easier. And it was because I would reread those notes. And I would then remember, oh, yeah, this crock pot burned this when I had it on low. It needs to be on warm because it's a higher temperature crock pot. Or, or this was, I waited until the night before to try to do all of these things, and it didn't work. Um, so next year, start preparing on Monday, you know, getting different things out on Monday um, when Christmas is on a Thursday or things like I remember one year I didn't take I didn't take out butter to thaw out of the freezer and then I was frantically trying to soften it for one of the recipes <laughs> and I just wrote like you know take this the sausage and the butter out of the freezer the night before just little things like that you know that hide the marshmallows you need for the sweet potato bake because the children will open the package and eat them there <laughs> And then write down where you read them. <laughs> exactly, right? Or, or, yeah. or uh, I think last year uh, Kirby used like two-inch masking tape and put it around the container and wrote no on it. Huge letters. So <laughs> those are the things they're going to remember. They're going to remember the marshmallow package that was duct taped with the word no on it, right? Right. That, <laughs> so they didn't eat it because they wanted it on their sweets. Well, thank you so much for sharing your ideas. Do we want to have a nature minute or do we want to, we are, we are now at um, two 40 minute episodes. So maybe we should just wish everyone happy holidays and move on. I think that's okay. I, mean, I just got a squirrel and he's like running up and down this tree right here in this window. And you just see this shadow passing like bloop, bloop. <laughs> well, there's Miriam's nature minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my quick so, nature minute is uh, my neighbor exciting. is a huge birder, which I think I've shared on here before. And she got pictures of a, a great horned owl that is living in our neighborhood, which is why there are no longer any rabbits in my yard. So that's my which little. Which is good and bad. Right? Yes, good and bad. I mean, yeah, it's it's nice that the they're well. 
my neighbor dislikes them more during the summer. She's a huge gardener and I don't think she cares so much during the winter, but we certainly enjoy their part of the wildlife in our backyard and we enjoy them and we have very much been missing them and weren't quite sure where they had gone to. Now we know. Now so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now you know. So um, we have been having a little bit of rain. Um, we got a whole inch over Thanksgiving. We were gone to our cabin, and we got snowed in. We got over a foot of snow up there. It was forecast one to three inches. Um, but, yeah, we got over a foot. We didn't realize it because we've never been up there for snow. But we are in the mountains above the town. So when the town is forecast for one to three inches, they're probably a 1,000 feet lower in elevation than we are. So we get, we have to expect a lot more snow. Um, luckily we had all of our winter gear from when we lived in Minnesota. So we had no problems, but at that same time as up four hours North of where we live, we were getting snow down here in Phoenix. We got an inch of rain and um, we got a little bit more last night. The lizards are all hibernating. Keep going out every night. My daughter, um, Keeps wanting to catch the geckos, but they're not out. They, they have to be hibernating. And we're starting to get some grass on the garden now, along the edges, because we finally have enough moisture in the soil. That's my nature minute. So different. I know. Isn't? You're thinking everything's dead <laughs> here, and I'm saying, oh, everything's starting to grow. grow. Yeah. I want to see a picture of your yard, Marjorie. Oh, it sounds lovely. I grew up in the, the desert in California. I miss it. <laughs> I like it here. I'm not yeah. going <laughs> to read it. I don't, but I do miss it. But desert is a whole different it is. beauty. Okay, everyone. Well, from our homes to yours, we wish you very best of the holiday season and a beautiful 2020. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Wildwood Curriculum podcast, Stone Chats. For more information about our free, secular, and inclusive curriculum based on the works of the 19th century educator Charlotte Mason, please visit us at wildwoodcurriculum.org.